in this episode, we chat about getting your work published for the design mechanism, and I give you some tips about the undead. Welcome to the Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 42, publishing your work and atypical skeletons. And welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and welcome to November. Autumn has definitely arrived. The days are getting shorter and the weather is getting colder. We are getting to that time of the year when we are bombarded with festivals. In the UK, we celebrate Halloween then All Saints Day, the 1st of November, then Bonfire Night, the 5th of November, and then, of course, there's Thanksgiving in the US, and then Christmas. Of course, these festivals are accompanied with a range of lovely festive food and the meeting of friends and family. There was a time when I created and run adventures to coincide with the festivities, especially Halloween. I'm not sure if anyone remembers Car Wars. That was a fun system. You created cars, bikes and trucks to battle against your opponents on a tabletop map of the town. I remember that my brother had a car called the Donkey. If you crashed into it or it crashed into you, bumper triggers set off rockets that would just wipe you out. Why was it called the Donkey? Well, it had a kick like a mule. Focus in wills, back to games associated with festivals. I have even played a game of car wars when everyone had Santa sleighs that flew through the air firing deadly snowballs and presents as grenades. That was some battle. And if you like the reminiscing segments, then do check out my series of looking at the old games and rule books. You can find these along with all my other RPG content on my YouTube channel. Links in the show notes. When I was younger, I always dreamed of having something published. At age 14, 15, I used to produce my own fanzine called Animate Dead. I charged 20 pence for it or whatever anybody would give me. It was a magazine that was typed using a manual typewriter with layers of carbon paper sandwiched between the white paper of the magazine. I had to hit the key so hard in order to make the several copies readable. 
I did once send off an adventure to be published and remembered that it came back covered with red pen comments about how inaccurate it was. I realised then that my skills don't lie in the realm of publications, but yours might. So in order to support your work, I arranged to have a chat with Lawrence and Brian about the process of getting work published by the design mechanism. Okay, get ready to take notes. I'm Lawrence Whitaker, uh, known affectionately as Loz to, to my friends, and so I suppose all of you as well. And I'm one of the, the co-founders of the design mechanism. Um, I work very closely with Brian on the editorial process. So Brian and I review um, all the submissions that come in, which is what we're talking about today. And uh, we look at everything that comes through. We chat about what do we want to see? How do we want to see it? So uh, Brian and I are, are in constant communication about these things that uh, I see everything that comes through and sort of have final stamp of approval. So it's me that you've got to impress. <laughs> Brilliant. And what about you, Brian? Introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Brian Pivik. I am the managing editor for TDM and uh, been uh, working with the company for quite a few years now. Um, seen a lot of sort of submissions come through, and uh, some great, some not so great. And uh, yeah, I uh, I work very closely with Lawless to kind of overview the articles. Or I'm sorry, not the articles. I'm thinking of my day job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my the uh, the uh, uh, submissions for uh, TDM on a wide variety of things, including, you know, how well can somebody spell and how well is their, how good is their grammar? And, uh, you know, just kind of look at it overview and, uh, yeah. Brilliant. That's pretty much it. So I, I thought would be um, a best way to approach this is that if we, if I almost like have that hypothetical situation that I've got a wonderful idea, I it could be like a new rule set or it could be a supplement or a venture. And I've got this wonderful idea um, that I really want to work on to get published and yeah what what would be what what's the what's the order of things you know when when you get an idea what should i be doing as that person that wants to submit something to be published um <clears throat> i think the first thing is make sure you're familiar with and, and this goes for whatever you're trying to write make sure you're familiar with what the publisher already publishers um we we do sometimes get scenarios and it's clear that it's been written for dnd or another yeah. game system make sure that you are aware of what the publisher deals with some things may not be suitable some things are just not the sort of thing that that publisher produces and you know the design mechanism is no different where um, I, I think we're probably quite a traditional sort of publisher. So we don't publish gonzo and edgy things. Uh, we don't publish OSR materials. So always make sure that you're aware of who you're submitting to, what they specialize in, what their voice is like, and the kind of material that they put out. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think the voice, like from my perspective, like the voice part is probably the most important. Mm. Um, and it kind of piggybacks on, on what Laws was saying, like if you know the audience that the publisher is aiming for and the way that the previous publications have been written, that will give you a good idea of, of how to approach it. 
Yes. And and so really almost like get that background um, information about um, the design mechanism and everything be, beforehand. So so let's say I've done all that and I've got um, a document ready to send off to you. Well, is there any sort of like process, any requirements that I need to do for that document before I send it to you guys? Yeah, the, the first thing is don't send us a complete scenario. Do not spend time crafting that wonderful 80-page epic campaign or even, you know, a 20-page scenario. Don't do that at this stage. Uh, we won't have time to read it. I can guarantee that. Um, what we do prefer is to have a proposal or a pitch. And it's vital that you put together something that is simple and concise, but really gets across what it is that you want us to take a look at. That's what will impress us the most. And you should be able to do that within a side of A4. Um, we've had a couple of proposals that have dropped in this morning, and they've both come with a very well-structured pitch, which stipulates this is what my proposal is about. Here's where it takes place. Here are some of the things that the, the characters and the GMs need to be aware of, and these are some of the NPCs involved, all on one side of A4. That's the kind of thing that gets our attention, gives us an immediate idea of what you're going to be writing about um so don't send us a fully fledged thing mm -hmm. what we want to see is a pitch it, it's it's very important that you do that because it tells us a lot about the writer it tells us can you structure information clearly can you get that information across concisely and do you understand what it is that you're going to be writing about and to be able to do that on one sheet of paper is not easy, but it does give us a very, very good sense of what working with that person will be like if we do contract them to go ahead and then submit a full scenario. Right. I kind of think of it as like an extended elevator pitch for, for what it is that you want to write. Um, I remember when I was in Greece and I took a very, very long elevator up four floors that took you know several minutes. That's about the kind of elevator pitch you want to have. You want to be able to concisely provide us with the information about the scenario or adventure, whatever it is. Make it interesting enough. But again, like Law says, don't go overboard. Don't go crazy. Is there anything that you look for in particular in that pitch? Apart from the, the voice, is there anything like, do you prefer things like adventures or what sort of like things really get you, you know, gets your brain going and thinking, I want that? I think really, as long as it's interesting and original, and those are not easy things. No, to they're do. not. <laughs> you know, just about every scenario under the sun has already been covered in some way by some role-playing game somewhere. So coming up with something unique, is it gets more and more difficult. And I don't think there's a unique idea left anyway. So it has to be interesting. Um, we don't mind um, a, a dungeon crawl, but make it interesting. Maybe there's a specific goal in mind. Um, you know, just having going into the dungeon of whatever to seek the magic MacGuffin of, it's not enough. It's been done so many times and it's hard to make that interesting. So try and, try and find a unique angle for whatever it is that you're going to present. If it's a rule supplement, make it relevant to something that we produce and try and make it different. We don't need 
a supplement on vehicles. We already have one. We don't need a subject. We, we don't need a supplement on mass battles. We've got that too. Um, what we may be interested in is a book about how to develop cults. Um, just had a proposal along those lines. Uh, we may be interested in, for Destined, a superpowers organization you know, or, or a super organization that could be slotted into uh, Gemelos City. Um, make it relevant. That's the, the other thing that you should do. Uh, and But really keep it simple. Uh, there's a tendency for many writers, especially first-time writers, to present a really complex, involved idea. They're excited. They've probably been running their campaign that they want to publish uh, for many years. They know it inside out. It's got all these twists and turns that they think are really cool. And maybe it is at the table when you're running it, but you're writing for publication. And a simple idea is far, far easier to structure, to write for, and present than a really complex one. And we we can always spot the, the scenarios that are likely to be very complex. They always have dozens of NPCs, a plot twist here, another plot twist, another plot twist. And they, they really do make us go, this is gonna be a tough sell. So simplicity, originality, interest. Those are key. Brilliant. And how much, uh, coming to you, Brian, how much, um, what's the importance of things like correct grammar and spelling and structure in that pitch? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I kind of look for. I've, I've been an editor for like 20 years. So when I get something that comes across my desk, that's the first thing I look at. If there's something that is really egregious and, and repeats itself you know, repeatedly, I that's something that I'm going to look at and go, okay, the editor of this piece is going to have to do a lot of work to clean it up. So, you know, I'm, it's okay to make an occasional mistake. We all do. But if it's something that is, you know, pretty obvious just in the pitch itself, it's probably going to become very, very, very obvious when the actual piece comes out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm constantly looking for that, but don't be afraid if, you know, let's say, you know, English isn't your first language um, and you want to try to pitch something. That's okay too. You know, we can work with that. It's just that, you know, I, I try to look at it from the editor's perspective and make sure that it's not going to be something that's going to take them so much time to get done. Yeah. And that, that's interesting you said that about um, English being the second language, because I know the, the podcast goes to international audience. So I think that's really positive to hear that, you know, so um, people from different whose English is not their first language are still um, you're still happy to have a look at that and really look for the inspiration, it sounds, and the originality, which is great. So say, for example, my pitch has been accepted what 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 happens next what happens after that okay so you, you've sent us a great pitch it's passed the first test what we will likely do is invite you to send a sample chapter and uh, we, we may even ask for a couple and we may ask for one after another um, we may ask for a fluff piece so you know some background that doesn't have any rules in but usually we want to see something with some game mechanics as well to see how that you approach that what we will do is also ask for that to be put into our standard format and brian will usually send our submission guidelines our style sheet and our capitalization document as well certain things are capitalized 
rules, references to skills, things like that. So um, we will expect it to be done in that format, but we'll invite you to submit a, a sample. Um, assuming everything carries on and, it, and we are still impressed, then we will agree to a contract usually. We may send you some guidance and say, okay, your pitch is great, we like the sample chapter, but actually what we want you to send us is maybe something different to what you're proposing because we already have another scenario that's doing that that we're working on. Or there's already another rules um, supplement coming out that touches on some of the things you're doing. So we may suggest a different area of emphasis. So be prepared to adapt what you are going to be asked to work on assuming that's okay we'll send you a contract and the contract is it, it sets out how we work together it's there to protect both of us you and us we will tell you what we expect of you when we expect it how much we're going to pay and there will be usually a statement of work which says we want this is the amount of, of words that we want it equates to so many pages Here's the deadline for it and any other things that we need, like sketch maps or NPCs or something else. And that will generally be in line with the proposal and what we've agreed based on what we've seen. Um, and then it's back to you to start work on your magnum opus and uh, and get to work on what we've agreed around the pitch and what we've seen from the samples. I, the only thing I wanted to add is just you know, expect a lot of back and forth during the process. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the the piece that we're going to publish uh, is, you know, going to fit in with not only what TDM does, but what, what, what our audience expects, you know, make sure that it fits in with the rules. I mean, there's a lot of back and forth between ourselves and the writers. So just expect that you'll have to make changes. I mean, that's just kind of part of the publication process. So, and is that um, backwards and forwards? Is that in the form of feedback, things that need to be corrected and developed, or does it include writing styles and things like that? Yes, yes to all yeah. of that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it could be anything and everything. It just depends on, it depends on the writer. It depends on, you know, the the subject matter. It depends on, yeah, it depends on a lot of factors, but yeah, I would say probably any and all of those could be expected. And what sort of like time scales uh, does it, how long does it take for this procedure to sort of like go to each step and actually be published, you know, and be on, on the internet or in the stores? Um, it, it, it's a process of months, sometimes years quite quite honestly it really is um first of all the 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 process we've just been talking about the backwards and forwards of going from proposal to even the, the the manuscript coming in that will take months without a doubt um depending on what it is that you're going to be writing we will give you anywhere from you know maybe three to six months to even a year to do that that work and preparation but even the feedback sessions even before we issue a contract it it can take weeks and there's a couple of reasons for that um first we're a small company you know brian and i do not do this full time um so we we have to find the time to be able to do it second we've got a very very full pipeline we have enough material that is in the works that's been written and is either been art directed laid out edited proofed or even getting ready for publication to last us a good 12 months so do not expect to see anything appear if you submit now it's probably going to be two years before it hits 
the uh, the, uh, the the website and stores. It, it can be that long. Some things get fast tracked, so it's not a given. But you know, if if we're talking a reasonably long publication like a let's say a mythic earth book you know you're, you're looking at a couple of years for that to happen it, it will take that long and that's going to include the writing so be patient yeah <laughs> most yeah. definitely that seems to be a, a longer than what i expected but you know realistic yeah and if, if you look at it from the perspective of you want to have this piece out and you really are passionate about it, the process is part of the fun because you're learning how to be not only a better writer, but you're understanding like how the, the publication process works. You're learning a lot of very valuable skills that will help you later on if you want to keep publishing. So you have to look at it from a positive perspective, absolutely. Very much so. So what you, you've already um, mentioned some um, specific sort of like ideas that you might be looking for. Have you got anything else to add to that? You, you talked about like organizations for destined and, you know, cults or brotherhoods or Mithras. Is there any other areas of the game that you think, oh, it would be fantastic to get um, supplements for that? we we want to see support for our existing lines um we are going to look with more favor on a 16 page scenario uh proposal for mythic rome or destined than we are a 256 page brand new campaign setting uh that you you've worked on for years and it's it's so different to everything out there because it's yet another thing for us to support um we do we do have a complex line of products um and it's always a struggle to keep those lines uppermost in people's minds part of the way we do that is by supporting them with scenarios little supplements and so forth. So something that supports one of our existing game lines will grab our attention far more readily than something brand new that's, it doesn't matter if it's been done before or is completely unique, that is going to be a lot of work. Um, I think that's the first thing. Um, I also think that shorter works are going to get our attention more than longer ones at the moment, mainly because we do have a full pipeline with some quite long works already in there. Um, and if you're a new writer, we, we're not going to accept or commission you to do, you know, 200 pages of something. We will want you to work on something shorter, like a scenario, or even collaborating on something um, than, than going it alone, mainly because people think that, Role-playing game writing is easy, and it really is not. It's a unique discipline. It's not quite technical writing. It's not quite non-fiction. It's not quite fiction. You're, you're writing characters without dialogue frequently. You are explaining situations frequently. You are describing places frequently. You're anticipating how a story may unfold. And I can guarantee you it will not unfold at the table in the way you write it. It just won't. So it's, it's a very, very daunting experience I, I you know i've been writing for 30 years um and it it still daunts me i'm in the middle of a leoness scenario right now and i've hit a block with it i don't know where to go with this damn thing it will occur to me at some point but it it's uh shorter works are going to grab our attention a lot more than uh, than other ones but definitely things that support our current range of games think small 
it's it's really interesting that it is definitely a skill in you know writing specifically for role playing and modules and adventures and it's a very specific skill and it's very important also that that needs to be developed and i think it's fantastic that you provide that feedback to encourage you know that sort of like writing so what advice would you give to people who are sat there listening to this thinking I really want to do this. I want to get my module out there. What advice would you give to them? First thing I would say is look at what we've published. Make sure you understand that. To me, as as a writer, as an editor, I always look at the audience first. So what kind of stuff that have we published? You know, if we wouldn't have published it if we didn't see the the need for that piece within like the RPG industry. So look at what we have. Look at how it's written. Look at how it's laid out. And from there, you know, as, as Laws said earlier, provide something, you know, your, your quick elevator pitch that is long enough for, under, for us to really understand what it is. Keep it short. Keep it simple. And, you know, don't be afraid to submit. And if you, if you get a no, don't take that as like a personal attack. Take that as, you know, growth. You can always resubmit an idea once you've tweaked it with our feedback what i will say is that if you are thinking about writing for the first time just do it but do it for yourself don't necessarily do it for publication do it for practice Um, by sitting down and writing out your thoughts or trying to put together a scenario that you played at the table you know cobbled together from your gm's notes um, it will give you a really good idea of of what will happen if you are contracted to write something for publication you'll realize how difficult it can be and you may find after you've had an attempt it's really not for you and there's no shame in that there really isn't um you get some very very fine gms that are not natural writers you get some very very good writers that are not natural gms so always have a try for yourself before you try and engage with a publisher the number of people that we have had that we have contracted to write pieces for us that have flaked and either failed to meet the deadline not even failed to turn in a manuscript, I've lost count. And we don't want you in that position because it's really, really disheartening for you. I mean, it okay, it's disheartening for us, but we've got other options. You haven't. And, you know, it's a creative endeavor. We want you to get the best out of that. And we want to work with any writer that we commission to help get the very, very best. As Brian said, there will be a lot of feedback. Some of that feedback may also be quite stern you know we may say don't do that we want you to do this and that can sometimes be hard to take so practice for yourself before attempting to send us a pitch or send us an idea the other thing i would suggest is if you're unsure about if we would be interested in something drop us an email you know uh would you be interested in a in in my my collection of supervillains for destined Chances are we'll talk about it and go, yeah, send us a pitch. And if we're not, we'll say no, because we're already doing something along those lines. But what we would like to see is, and that can quite often lead to you being engaged. So if in doubt, send us a a quick note first. That's 
That's fantastic. There's been so many really fantastic pieces of information and advice there. It's probably, I know, well, I know it will be helping loads of people out there who are thinking, I really want to do this. Just before we finish, whereabouts do they send the the pitch? What's the, is there a set email address that they should send it to? Submissions@thedesignmechanism.com. Brilliant. And I will pop that in the show notes um, as well. So we've got that. Thank you so much for you, both of you coming along today and giving up your very valuable time. So, yeah, thank you very much. It's been great speaking to you both. Really enjoyed it, Ian. Yes, thank you so much. hope that was useful for you and what a super supportive process if you are interested do have a go and if you get published let me know and you can come along to the podcast and talk about your adventure or supplement and remember if you would like to contribute to the podcast before then then why not just drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover I am always looking for reviews or chats with people. So if you are interested, then you can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. So confession time. I have a real thing about undead. Wait, that probably came across incorrectly. So before it is misinterpreted, let me clarify. When it comes to settings, characters or monsters, my long-term favourite genre has been the undead. From crypts to graveyard, from evil clerics to necromancers. If the undead is involved, I'm there. I like all the stereotypical abilities and appearances of the undead and remember playing other games when blunt weapons would smash skeletons with double damage and silver blades sliced vampires to pieces. Part of enjoying undead would be their invulnerability that they possessed. Basically, you needed magical weapons in order to damage them. This always produced a great moment in the game when adventurers frantically searched through their equipment for that plus one dagger that they had found a couple of adventures ago, as well as deciding who would be wielding it. As the players gained more knowledge about the undead, the impact of them, the undead that is, in encounters is sadly reduced. However, Because I love them so much, I have started to get creative with the lowest of the undead, the skeleton. So here are some ideas for you to spice up those skeletons with. Okay, number one, fungus skeletons. These are skeletons that have been created via a deadly fungus. The fungus infests a living host and then slowly drains away the moisture until only the bones remain. The danger with these skeletons is that whenever damage is done to them, they release spores to infect their opponents. 
What the spores do is up to you as the GM. But I had the rules guru talking about poison and diseases in December's episode of the podcast. But until then, characters, you will need face masks at the ready. Next up, exploding skeletons. Created with great power, these skeletons are the frontline fighters of any undead army. They are quick and slightly smaller than the usual skeletons. If you play Minecraft, think small zombies that run at you. The surprise about these skeletons happen when they are attacked or they meet some kind of resistance. When they do that, they explode. Boom. They are perfect troops against armies, stockades or even castles. Number three, Trollkin Skeletons. These humble skeletons look the same as any other skeleton as they run towards you. They will approach with their bones rattling and start to fight. The trick about these skeletons is that each arm, leg and head will continue to fight after they've been separated from their body. Legs and arms will crawl to their opponents trying to trip or slow them. Even head will try to bite anything that comes near them. Damaging that limb or head again, i.e. reducing it to zero hit points, will kill these separate body parts. But hopefully after they have caused some chaos amongst the party. And finally, my all-time favourite, the head-throwing skeleton. Who needs a grenade when you have a head? As the skeletons approach, they take off their heads and throw them like missile weapons. These can either attack doing normal damage or explode like exploding skeletons. I actually like them to make them attach to the character, probably doing minimal to no damage, but then attaching more and more and more. Eventually, the character will find that their skill rolls are harder or they can't move and is eventually brought to the ground by the sheer number of heads. I hope that has given you some ideas for upgrading your humble skeletons. Remember, you can see more of my encounters by creating and downloading them from my RPG shop. Links are in the show notes. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas on World Anvil. I really appreciate your support and do check out the Tapper Talk forums and the Discord where there are a great bunch of people there sharing their ideas within the discussions. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all in December when we have Loz here for some updates for those Christmas presents and the rules guru spreading their wisdom once again. Until then, I hope all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye.
The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.